0: Welcome to the geek to geek podcast, where it's an October out of time. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Bij. You're never out of time in bij No, but uh, this is just upfront Warning, our October is going to be kind of out of time for our episodes. Yeah. We have scheduling, there's some travel, Bija has some events, and we're actually planning ahead. And we do this every once in a while. We'll record two episodes at a time, and we don't always tell you guys, because it's like we're close enough to the day that whatever, we're timely. <laughs> right. But... We're going to get a couple weeks off here. There's going to be an episode in your feed every week. But if something's like, did they talk about that on Twitter three weeks ago? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yes, yeah, we sure did. It's just fair warning. Just like our, the episodes are going to be a little bit out of time until we get back into November and we'll get back to a normal groove. With that out of the way, today we're actually going to talk about microtransactions in full price games because right. it seems suddenly very relevant with games that are coming out in the last week and about to come out. Have you been keeping up? Unlike any of the stuff that's going on right now that's, like, very, very
1: recent? Some of it, not, like, this week recent other than playing the Battlefront 2 uh, beta. Like, okay. that's the extent of me seeing any of it uh, on a personal level. Okay, so... In general, we're gonna be talking
0: about like loot boxes and microtransactions in full price games, not so much like free-to-play games, because that's I mean, that's honestly their whole business model. Like that's a whole different yeah. beast. And I mean, we talk about that every time we talk about mobile games or whatever. Like, I kind of we know where we stand on that. Um, but the recent stuff going on is there's a new Forza that came out. I'm not a huge Forza fan. I think it's Forza mm-hmm. seven. Don't at me Holy if I'm cow, wrong. Really? Yeah, I want to say it's seven. I could be wrong. Um, but whatever it is, there's like card packs that you have to get to get new cars in the game so it's like actual progression and actual content in the game is locked behind getting these packs or loot boxes or whatever exactly they are but to actually like get new cars in the game you have to do that and then on top of that shadow of war is coming out today it's out as of like right now when we're recording and there are microtransactions in that game too and Mm -hmm. i thought they were just cosmetic but they're not like Everyone's seeing that, oh, these are actually like game changing and content and like power, like pay to win type of thing. For real? I didn't realize that. I thought it was all cosmetic with Shadow of War. No. And it's, I mean, I'll report back when I actually do play it because I bought the game, but it's sounding like. Once you get towards the end game, there's like a whole part of the end game where it's really, really encouraged that you buy it. You don't technically have to, but again, it's on top of an already sixty dollar game,
1: so it's like wow. So it's content, not just like you're encouraged to buy loot boxes to upgrade your character, but actual content part of the game.
0: Well, uh, yes and no. Shadow of War. Did you play Shadow of Mordor? No, I have it. It's one that's in my Steam library and that I haven't played okay but you know how like the nemesis system works with like the orcs and followers and stuff yeah yeah so you can buy these loot boxes that will have like good gear in it so kind of like that pay to win thing and you can set up your fortress to go up against other people online so if you're more powerful you can like literally pay to win and then the other thing is your orc followers have a big impact on this game and if you want to get like really good quality followers just at the drop of a hat you can just pay money to get them So it's kind of weird. It's like, do you consider these followers content that you're paying for even though you technically have ways to earn the main game but yeah it depends on how the game is structured you know
1: yeah and that that could really be a, it could be fine to do it that way or it could be really terrible that that i'm leaning toward terrible just based on how i feel about this kind of thing in a full price game already i don't know that that would make it where i wouldn't want to buy this game i know and like i there are some games that I just know I'm gonna buy and I
0: buy them way ahead of time, so this is one of those and yeah, uh, you know I'm gonna play it I'm planning not to spend any extra money, but it's just like the fact that these two recent very recent examples came up, and then a lot of people are talking about it right now. I started thinking about it like there's other games like Call of Duty World War Two that's about to come out next month um, yeah. I saw an ad for it, and one of the things is like you know one of the big premium editions of the game, but, like, the main part of the ad was, like, hey, you get all of this in-game currency that you could buy with real money at a discounted rate. And it's, like, Uh, really? That's your messaging around a brand-new Call of Duty game is to get this in-game currency to gamble with on loot boxes?
1: Wow. That's... But to be fair... And and I say, to be fair, in the uh, most hyperbolic way possible, Call of Duty does tend to be very tired these days. People have really seen it all, that it's hard to get people really excited about a new COD. So, I mean, they're having a really hard time with marketing, and maybe they're just trying a new angle on it to do something other than, hey, guys, new Call of Duty. Right, and I,
0: I guess it's more that, like, with shadow of war and forza especially in the last week or so here it's like there's this trend that's slowly been building and these two made it come to a head because suddenly it's like big releases and all these big games coming out and two games within a week or two of each other have microtransaction models that just don't feel good they kind of feel exploitive they kind of feel dirty in a way you know like give us more money even though you gave us 60 dollars and it's not the only ones like, I mean, Counter-Strike Go has been doing this for a while. That's a game you have to pay yes. for upfront. front. Um, sports games have been doing it for a couple of years now. So there's like FIFA, there's Madden. Both of those have some kind of like ultimate team mode where you buy packs
1: of characters, basically. I um, didn't know that. I, I I follow zero on sports games, though, that I wouldn't even recognize a modern Madden or FIFA game. I don't play them, but I follow them enough just because i follow gaming you
0: know and they always yeah. show up in my feet so I always kind of glance at what's going on with them even though i don't grab those games but yeah th- both of them have some kind of ultimate team mode where you can buy like packs of cards and And for the most part, it's just like getting characters, like getting good characters. So those have had it for a while. Um, I know you and I were talking about this ahead of time, and you mentioned fighting games, like there was Injustice 2 this year, Marvel versus
1: Capcom, right? And I get super irritated at things like fighting games because they always call them DLC characters, that they always have these extra characters that you shell out even more just to make sure you have the entire roster. And maybe it's my old crotchety, uh, you kids today, attitude, on fighting games but when I was a kid we had to unlock the extra characters by beating the game just beating everybody to death and now you pay 15 bucks and that's how you get the extra six characters and they constantly release them and that irritates me because I was looking at Marvel vs Capcom and it was when it was saying all of this stuff at the very end of the demo I was I was just I don't want to pay sixty dollars for this brand new game and there immediately be DLC booster packs that I have to buy. And yeah, they're not blind packs. They're not boxes. But to me, it feels kind of the same way. And the same way with like Mario Kart 8, I think where they called it DLC, but it was really just more packs and characters to have the entire roster that were unlocked in older versions. And I think that's where a lot of it comes for me is that this has not been iterated very well. This is not something that has evolved with the market. They're just taking a marketing ploy or marketing strategy. I shouldn't say a ploy, even though in a full press game, I feel like it is. They're taking a marketing strategy for one type of game and applying it to one without actually adapting it and that's why i get so irritated at it that dlc is not adding two tracks to mario kart dlc is adding a new game mode like uh um a return to rapture in bioshock infinite or something along those lines see i I might argue with you a little there
0: because like it's not really a marketing strategy so much as like a business model applied to it. Mm. Um, That's fair. That's fair. Wrong term. You're absolutely right. Business model is what I was looking for. Okay, But that aside, like I think paying for actual like tracks that feels like content to me like i I might not pay for it in a game but if it's there i don't mind it as much just like how i was saying the other week about final fantasy 15 like yeah all of those like new character content i don't mind that those are there like i i don't see myself buying them unless eventually i want to go back and buy like everything in one go and replay final fantasy 15 sometime in the future when they're done updating it true but It doesn't bug me that they're there because it's like actual real content for the game. Whereas, I don't know, like you said, just like a new character doesn't, I mean, maybe if you're a fighting game fan, maybe it's a huge piece of content. I don't know. It just doesn't feel
1: substantial, you know? Yeah. Exactly that's the way it is for me too. It doesn't feel substantial because because I'm not a fighting game guy, having an extra six characters on the roster, that may be a substantial amount of content in the game. But because I'm not that guy, it just feels like okay, here's all of your different colored Yoshis and it's like that that's not that doesn't seem like it's worth something for me but then you have something like overwatch where i will i give them money that i don't feel bad about giving overwatch money for loot boxes and it it is completely un I don't even know what the right word here is, void. I'm unapologetic about giving Blizzard money because I like that game enough I want to support those developers, even though I know they have all the money in the world. And but i I want those cosmetic items. I don't want to pay to win. I felt dirty in Final Fantasy Fifteen when I realized that the uh, Magitek armor made me not take any damage that I was having to i was I was godmoding through the game and I stopped wearing it and then uh th- that came through a dLC pack that I wasn't aware was even d l c and then uh in Overwatch. I'm just like, oh, this is cosmetic. This is great. Take my money. And uh, I don't know what it is about that for me. I will pay for cosmetic stuff. No, and I wanted to bring that up because Overwatch is one of them that I spend
0: a little bit of amount of money in. And I think it's like if Overwatch came out with a new character and said I had to pay for it, right? Mm-hmm. Or if Overwatch came out with new maps or a new mode and said you have to pay for these, I would be upset by that. But because I paid my upfront money... And all the new pieces of actual content that they get, I just get right, right. Like it's it's already paid for, so i bought overwatch i played like i don't know how much in those first two or three weeks like 40 60 hours something like that and then, i don't know it was more than that <laughs> yeah you know after those first like two or three weeks i gave them another 10 bucks because i was like you know what i'm loving this game i'd love to get yep. a couple more skins i just want to show them that hey i support this because it's such a good game and i threw a couple bucks their way because it yep. didn't matter right it wasn't content it wasn't power that i was buying it was just i just want to look cool and like yep. that's the kind of the microtransaction that i'm okay with in a game whereas like you and i were talking about Battlefront 2 because we both tried that demo this weekend uh-huh. and battlefront 2 is it's like a not pay to win but like pay to get
1: power and that kind of thing really bugs me so did it, you it notice did this too. at all or did you not play enough yeah. to really no i i got through some of the boxes that i was doing i played it enough that i i just don't think it's my kind of game that you and I were talking about it on Twitter a little bit. I was talking with a couple other people who weren't you, and it just—it's it, not my kind of game. Maybe I'm not that kind of first-person shooter kind of game because it's not the arcadey type of first-person shooter. Yeah, that I it don't felt think so much are. like it felt so much like Call of Duty that I didn't feel the Star Wars in it, even though there was a lot of Star Wars there. But, but it doesn't even remind get... me of Call of Duty. It reminds me of like Battlefield. And to me, Battlefield and um call of duty they are synonymous and exactly the same in my mind Ooh, i know people who would fight you over that oh i know they will don't get me wrong i am aware that that statement is based entirely out of ignorance on my part because i have not put in enough time to differentiate between the two and so for me it didn't feel like the first-person shooters that I like, which are the Halo-style, which I do like Destiny. I just kind of gave up on it. And Overwatch, I love that kind of first-person shooter. And so when I was getting in this, and then I saw the cards, and I was like, cool, new stuff. And I realized that I was opening these packs, that my guns got stronger, and I was trading out different abilities, and that my mind immediately clicked into, oh, some of these abilities... I'm gonna have and they're not, and this is going to be awful later on. That yeah, it was it an, just an immediate balance out the window. Yeah, and for a competitive game like that, I just I don't want to be a part of that. I guess it's uh, it, it that's the part that's not fun to me. I like balance stuff, or at least something that is not giving any heed to if it's balanced or not you can go absolutely crazy and i'm okay with it but just let me know that's what you're doing and it's almost like the the way i would assume this is going is they're trying to keep everything balanced but they're going to be unable to yeah
0: and it's like uh, in those type of games it feels like the balance is there at the very lowest level like day one when everyone starts and no one has cards that's probably a pretty balanced game yeah i'm assuming it is and then if you give it like two three weeks and then you go to the very top tier of players who have literally everything unlocked that's probably Uh balanced also but for the rest of us like anytime after launch anyone else starting this game is going to be severely underpowered and Uh for everyone else who just wants to dabble in the game like you and me Like we're just going to be caught in that middle ground where there's just players that are going to be better than us because they have spent time in the game not skill wise but
1: because like they have in-game currency and they bought stuff and that was the way hearthstone was for a long time that I know one of the reasons I stopped is it became very unfun to play because I didn't spend a lot of money on it, because I didn't have all of the cards and crafting all of the legendaries, that I, I didn't have fun at rank 10 to 15 because it was a weird power balance there that I know in the single digits it got way better, but in the early teens it was terrible and it was just not fun fun to play because of that weird power structure yeah and I would defend like
0: Heroes of the Storm and Hearthstone just because their business models are literally free to play oh you know, yeah you're, not yeah. I mean, you're absolutely front. right okay um but I do see what you're saying with like the same kind of balancing thing yeah just in mean,
1: terms of balance so th- I would never be like oh this guy spent $400 on this game and he has something I'm like nah, I know what you did it's just not fun for me to play against you so I'll go to something else because I haven't paid $60 to uh to do it right and like
0: uh, with Battlefront 2 one of the good examples I saw that w- I was is just like ah, uh, like that. This is the thing is me personally with Battlefront Two. Uh, it's fine, you know. It's more the trend right. in the industry that bugs me because. I know how I'm going to play Battlefront 2. I'm going to get it. I'm going to play the single-player content once. That's why I'm really buying the game. I'm going to play around in multiplayer for one, maybe two weeks, and then I'm never going to go back to that game. I'll probably True. leave it on my hard drive and maybe dabble in it like once every six months, maybe.
1: But Yeah, because somebody will be like, oh, hey, you want to play this? You want to get together and do it? And you're like, yeah, why not? Yeah, but like... It's just the
0: way the game is designed, like there was um, Boba Fett has a jetpack, right? And so I saw a card that when Boba Fett is like in the air with his jetpack, it reduces damage he takes. So if you get like the first level of card, it's like 10% damage reduction. Whereas if you get the top one, it's like 50 or like 60 or something ridiculous that would just totally change the balance of it.
1: Yeah, that does not seem fair to people like you and me who have absolutely no chance of getting that card within a reasonable amount of time right and i guess one of the
0: other things that i wanted to touch on besides just picking out individual games was like especially with loot boxes right and there are different schemes for loot boxes whether it's a card pack that you don't know what's in it or a loot box that you get in the game and then you have to buy a key to open it or if you're just straight up buying loot boxes like overwatch at some point isn't that just gambling like seriously (laughs) like we have gambling laws in the United States, right? And at, at this point, with the way the industry is going, I just wonder how long it's going to be until those gambling laws hit games, because it seems like loot
1: boxes specifically are going to run into this issue. And maybe that will be whenever there's cryptocurrency regulation, that it really kind of falls in that weird spot of regulatory limbo where they don't exactly know how to regulate any kind of digital currencies, which this may fall in along those lines. That they don't know how to regulate something that isn't inherently monetized, even it doesn't have inherent value. Uh, but they, but it's being traded as such. It's it's really weird. You're absolutely right on it. That, well, that it, it's
0: gonna. It's weird, but at the same time, like I don't know. I guess you can't really gamble for money online which is kind of like a video game except sometimes you can there are ways around it It's, it's such a weird
1: thing but have you seen what like china's done around it a little bit i remember reading bits and pieces here and there and anytime it comes up i'll read about it but i haven't in a long time so i don't know any modern stuff that they've been doing with it So the
0: two things that I've seen come out of China that are fairly predominant from what I understand again It's always hard. You never know when news is coming from China in particular (laughs) with their great firewall, right? but the two things I've seen in the gaming industry are one it could be where they have to post the actual drop rate of everything oh, so yeah yeah that, that's one i've seen where like every single item would have a drop rate and they would have to tell you your exact chances of getting it before you ever put money into it like they would okay. have to have it posted somewhere publicly for you to get to the other thing that i've seen is when you can actually buy everything so it would be like having a loot box system that already exists But also having every single one of the items you could get in the loot box system also available for X amount of money, right? Ah. So it doesn't have to be cheap, right? You can make a loot box five cents and then you can make like one of the legendary cosmetic skins out of it cost $15 like they could do that. But as long as they have some way to straight up buy it, they seem to be able to get around some of the laws, too. Okay,
1: that makes sense. I could I would be great with that. Honestly. I would love that. It's like, um, like it's almost cosmetic versus
0: content versus like pay to win. Like there's something to be said for all of those being slightly different from each other. Yeah.
1: Right. And I mean, I'm the kind of guy who, when I want something and I I will buy it whether or not I should or not, um, like In World of Warcraft, I wanted, and and for those of you who played back in vanilla, I wanted a glowing Brightwood staff on my druid, and this was in 2005, and you know, I couldn't get one. It was an epic, it was one of the best uh, pre-raid drops that you could get. Even through raiding, it was still very good, and I really, really wanted it. So I went to one of those gold farming sites and I just straight up paid for it and had it delivered to my character. I paid for power and then moved right on into uh, right on into the raiding and doing that. That was fine. Uh, whenever Overwatch came out, I saw the Girl Master 76 skin and that skin alone made me get my golden gun for cosmetics on him that I had my 3000 points saved up and uh, decided to get it on uh, 76 and then paid them twenty dollars and went and uh, opened my boxes and I actually got it out of one of those boxes but what I just paid 20 bucks for that skin straight up yeah I probably would have dropped another at least 10 on it before that or hoped for uh hope for credits or whatever they're called to be able to buy it myself with uh, in-game currency but I would have just straight up paid 20 bucks for it that there would have been no hesitation on it when you said you're kind of a sucker for cosmetic stuff i'm a sucker for it oh my god but it has to be like either really cool like i think the girl master one hits that line of being really really cool and clever and totally absurd and gaudy that it is both of those in my mind and that's what i'll pay money for i don't want something that looks like really really epic and awesome don't tend to want that As we talked about with the Harry Potter uh, and the Harry Potter and ET merchandise at Universal before, it's like, I want really weird, gaudy, stupid stuff, not so much the really epic, cool stuff. So that's what I'll pay for. Those are the ones that would make me buy something. But yeah, I love cosmetic stuff.
0: Like I said, I, I occasionally will get cosmetic stuff, especially if I want to like support a developer or you yes. know, in a game where they have a good structure, I will usually give money if I don't have to like pay for power. Whereas yeah. the other side of that coin for me is why I bounce off of almost every mobile game that's free to play right. is that you hit like a soft cap somewhere where suddenly if you actually want to advance, you have to pay for power or energy or something, yep. and. As soon as I see that in a game, as soon as I hit that point in the game, there's basically like a countdown timer that starts in the back of my head to when Mm -hmm. am I going to delete this game? Because I know that I will. Like it's not a question of if, it's just when.
1: And I will keep playing at that point depending on what kind of game it is. Like Marvel Future Fight, um, I, I haven't logged in in a long time, but its energy system didn't really annoy me because it was forgiving enough that it kept upping your max limit and you leveled up quickly enough that you could refill pretty regularly it never really bothered me and then right now i'm doing kingdom hearts union key cross and it has one but they're running a lot of zero energy missions that to get you caught up on story missions so if the game does stuff like that where it's like oh we want you to get to the to the later stuff and not you know dawdle at these early levels that don't tend to be as fun I'm cool with that, and I'll probably give them money later on just because they didn't make the early part of it kind of miserable, and that's something I've uh, talked to Jennifer about, too. She played Dots & Co. a lot, like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot a lot and like you and I play other stuff uh but like she would be pulling her phone out because she just loved this game and it was crazy how much she loved it and she would like get on and send me energy so because it's one of those where you do it for your friends on Facebook and so I would open the game just to send her an extra game's worth of energy and uh and then log off and at one point she was like I'm out of energy and I gotta wait ah seven minutes ah and I was like just give them money. I was like, you have put in dozens and dozens, if not over a hundred hours of just sitting here playing this game that you love for free. Support them. They have made something that you like, that you that you love, and have gotten a lot of entertainment. Throw them 10 bucks and get your energy and do it if you want to. And because she had never thought about it, it wasn't a permission thing. It was a this is okay to do kind of thing that you can pay for these games if you're getting value out of it and want to show that kind of support, that it's not being a sucker doing yeah.
0: that no there's something to be said for that for sure just to support a developer if it's a game that you really like and i'm i'm fine with that especially if it's actually free to play it's it's more of like right. the full game and then more that's where yeah, I yeah i think
1: that's where yeah. it really bothers me as well those that we talked about earlier not to be even terribly negative on this i mean because there are really good examples of this like i feel overwatch and heroes of the storm and hearthstone do a great job of it even though I pay full price for Overwatch, I, I'm glad that there are certain things that I cannot get through those boxes. Like the Golden Guns through competitive mode cannot do it any other way than putting your time in and getting it. And I've got one, and I worked for it, and I'm very proud of it, and you can't even get those as a rare drop. So I, I like that. Yeah, it's cool. It's
0: cool to see developers do it well. Okay, well, that was yeah, fun. Thanks for talking about it because it was like top of mind for me this last week. There's been so much talk about it. Um, Understandable. Okay, let's dive into Geeky Offer of the Week.
1: This week, you have an Audible, right? I do. I have an Audible. So you guys can go to audibletrial.com slash geek to geekcast and try uh, any audiobook you want for free. And this week, I want to recommend Turtles All the Way Down by John Green. This came out today as of this recording. I used an Audible credit and bought this and have been listening to it this afternoon. It is... And I've never read a John Green novel. It's the same author who did Fault in Our Stars. And the reason I'm recommending this is because it is written after he had a major breakdown with his anxiety. And this is his way of dealing and letting people know of what it's like to exist with high anxiety and obsessive compulsive disorder and it's very hard to get those feelings across and it's very hard to make someone understand what it's like to be in a situation where uh, anxiety can overwhelm you like real true anxiety and uh medical grade anxiety and the reviews that I've read of this are that he really does that so i wanted to put this in people's minds because i think it's really important that when someone says they're panicking that uh that doesn't mean they're freaking out a little bit and can calm down that it's actually something there so this is a very important topic and i'm really glad that john green uh has put this forward and found a way to say it say something that it's not very easy to say so i'm listening to it right now because uh i have anxiety pretty badly and and uh, want to talk about it and get it out in the open a lot more. And so I want you to listen to this as well for free by going to audibletrial.com slash geek Cool. That
0: sounds like a good recommendation for the topic, for sure. Um, what else did you have for Geekery? Because I know you had a couple other book things, right?
1: Um, I've also been listening to slash reading Way of Kings, the first one in the Stormlight Archive, the... Uh, It's awesome. I've gotten through all the rest of it. I still absolutely love this book. I actually did put it on hold to listen to the John Green book, to listen to Turtles All the Way Down. And uh, I'm feeling a little more trudging than I did before on Way of Kings. And I think it's just because I know what happens and I want them to get through it. So this may be a skipping certain chapters kind of read through for me, but we'll see. Um, We'll see as I move forward if I end up finishing Wave Kings and Words of Radiance before Oathbringer comes out uh, because I do need the refresher because I mean they're over a thousand pages long I, I kind of need a refresher since it's been four years since I read the first one yeah no and, i
0: i need a refresher too and i'm planning to probably re-listen to both audiobooks like before right. the next one comes out whenever do you even know when the next one's out because i don't
1: november 14th i believe oh, i'm not gonna wa- read that right when it comes out then i have other yeah, stuff to do between now and then yeah that's why i'm like i may not get through it because it comes out in just over a month but if you listen to both of them that's like 90 hours so uh listen to it on uh two times i guess um the audiobooks are very good. They're very well put together, but we'll see if either of us get to Oathbringer when it first comes out. I might Speaking... just
0: skip rereading and just jump into Oathbringer then. I forgot how long those are.
1: Those are like yeah. epics, right? Yeah, they are epic. They are epics and yeah. they are they're super good but if you guys haven't read them before read the stormlight archive by brandon sanderson and i mean speaking of the third one coming out oathbringer last night i saw him tweet that there is a fundraiser going on through i cannot remember the 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 it's a used bookstore. You can go to at Brandon Sanderson and see it on his Twitter. But there is a a used bookstore where he's doing a signing of Oathbringer hard copies, uh, hard covers that you can get personalized uh, by Brandon Sanderson for five dollars over the cover price. So I was like, oh yeah. Beach, you gonna buy that and i did i bought myself a uh, personalized signed copy of Oathbringer uh to uh to be delivered to me uh at some point uh, around the release of it um so i'm really excited about that it'll be my first uh autographed brandon sanderson book cool that'll be really it, cool and there are only 1100 of them that they're doing for that one i mean there are gonna be other other uh other signed copies and autographs but I got I super geeked out that I'm like I'm going to go ahead and buy this for with 1100 and as much as I love this dude I, I want this book signed that says to BJ in it, so I, I had to do it. And okay. I thought about that's doing valid. something like something weird, ma- making him call me a geek sprint or something. But I figured that was a little over the top. Do you have anything else? But no, I think that's it for this week. I'll split the rest of it into the other one, so you guys will know what I'm doing next week. Because yeah, we are recording two episodes right now. tonight.
0: Actually, no promises to the order that all the episodes come out, because I'm going to edit them, and then I'll pick the best time to keep things at the most timely that I can do. I'll, I'll oh, do my best as the editor, that's I promise.
1: True. This I didn't even think will, about you splitting the geekeries. Yeah,
0: this episode will be out tomorrow, though, so this one is super relevant. This is more for you and me. I'm, everyone can listen to us talk about this anyway. I'm leaving this in. That's my decision as okay. the editor. Um, My week of geekery this week have, well, Star Wars Battlefront 2- we yeah. talked about it a little bit but more about the actual like transaction model i i honestly i still like it for being in the star wars universe like there's no game that is as i don't i don't want to say immersive but like the look and sound and feel of it True. is star wars like they get the sound right which is you don't realize how big of a deal that is until you actually like play it. And then you're like, whoa, this is well done audio design, which is not oh, yeah, something I it usually very focus much on. is. Yeah. And the other thing is just like, it's a beautiful game. Like you can't mm-hmm. fault it for that. So for being in the Star Wars universe, like that's really cool. And, you know, if they keep doing a battlefront every single year, I probably still would have gotten this one, but if they come out with one next year and it was just the same thing, uh, just being in the Star Wars universe at some point isn't enough if it's the same game over and over, which this multiplayer feels like, honestly. I mean, I know they tweak some systems, but uh, whatever, like some class systems, some card systems. And at the end of the day, I'm not going to buy it for the multiplayer. I'm buying it because the single player campaign is a story that's canon. And that's what I am in it for.
1: And I'm really hoping that that story is enough for me to pick it up discounted. That's something that I want to take part in, that I want to be a part of that story and feel it and experience it. But I don't want to pay full price for it because I know that it's going to be short and it's going to be shorter than I want it to be because it's a first person shooter and that I'm not going to get any any value out of the multiplayer at full price because i pretty much only want to play the heroes and villains uh, with a party on ps4 that's yeah it. And that's like, it for me my multiplayer my
0: preferred way to play multiplayer in that game is to just play the vehicles like the ship to ship battle that is oh, the most okay. fun thing for me so in the full release of the game there are entire modes where all you do you're in like the cockpit of a ship and that is it like you're never actually on the ground That's what I spent almost all my time in, in the first game.
1: That might be fun. I could totally see myself
0: getting into that.
1: Yeah, I mean,
0: it it, like scratches that Rogue Squadron itch.
1: Okay, okay. So you you have me intrigued on this one, at least. I didn't realize that was a mode in the first one. That's cool. It is. Yep, so as long as they have that, which it looks like they will. um,
0: I think they do, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I'll play all the modes a little bit just to get a feel for it, and then I'll probably
1: spend a week or two in a spaceship, and that'll be fun. Yeah, I think my only real disappointment that i had playing it because otherwise it was about what i expected Battlefront 2 to be but because based on what i'd heard on the first one i think the only real disappointment i had in the beta was that there didn't feel any difference between the empire and the rebellion or anything it never felt like either side played any different than the other does that ever change the
0: first game feels like that too
1: honestly i mean there's
0: a little bit of difference in the weapons and if you're like a a hardcore player you would argue with me about how different it feels but honestly as like a casual to like mid casual player it's
1: it's just the same i mean it's basically the same for balance reasons that's understandable i like i said that was my only thing because running around as a trooper on naboo was basically the same thing as running around as a battle droid which just didn't feel right to me as a super nerd i was like no they're different (laughs)
0: yeah not in this game not so much um and then the other thing i did this week was i finished golf story and awesome it's still really good i I know i talked about like the overview last week but i feel like i didn't do it enough justice and i spent most of my gaming hours on it this week so i want to talk about it a little bit more it's a game that i i don't see it getting into my top five for the year or top six or whatever we end up covering but it's definitely in the top 10 like, it might be the one that's just off the list of what we oh, talk about wow. at the end of the year. Like, it's it's good. It's really good, but it's also buggy, and it's kind of janky in a couple ways, and I don't know. I love it anyway, but I accept it mm. for what it is. And there's all of these, like, I talked about the golf last week, but there's all these little touches that I didn't even mention. So there is, for you, I wanted to highlight, there's a spooky (laughs) haunted house stage that I sent you a picture of, or I put it on Twitter.
1: Did you see that one? No, I didn't see it. I don't think you tagged me, or uh, you mentioned it to me, that where you're like, oh, there's a Halloween area that you're going to love. But that's all I know. I haven't seen anything on that one.
0: Yeah, so there's like a ghost golf course that's spooky Halloween, lots of pumpkins and purple, and like halloween I don't know. It's cool. You would like that one. Um, and then there's all of these other things on the courses, like animals. So it depends on the course. Like the very first course of the game, there are these moles all over. And they have a big like <laughs> radius around them. I don't know that, why that made me giggle. That you can see. And um, if you hit the ball and it lands inside the radius, it'll just go pick up your ball and put it somewhere else, usually in a <laughs> sand bunker, which is funny. Um, there are... On another level, there's a bunch of birds, and they're all different colors, and the different <laughs> color birds will pick up your ball and put it in different areas. So if you remember which one is which, you can actually like hit your ball into weird places and then have the uh, bird pick it up and put it on the fairway in a really good place. Strategic. So there's interesting strategies with it. And then there are turtles in another level where it's very like water-heavy level, and if you befriend the turtles, which is a quest that you need to do... Um, course then there are these big radiuses in the water and if you hit the ball into that a turtle will pop up and you, the ball will bounce off its shell and go super far so <laughs> i like turtles it's, it's like all of those little touches right that make it more
1: arcadey like it's not a sim yeah. game at all and golf sims are fun i mean i can honestly say that of all the of all the the sim games that i have played i do like me some golf sims yeah uh, well and so like
0: but arcade of, golf Right. And it's, I don't know, it's an RPG golf. It's not either. Like, yeah. there is not even a quest, but in the first thing, and this is one of the very first things you see when you walk onto the course. So it's not really a spoiler. You walk onto the course, and someone's like, hey, on the other side of that fence, there's a weird button. What's with that? And I think I told you last week that anytime in this game, in the open world, you can just drop a ball and like pick a club and hit it. Yeah. Right. So uh-huh. if you see that button and you drop a golf ball and you hit it onto the button, the button will get pressed down. And you'll hear a click and it's like that did something so if you find all of those around the first course That's like, you know the open world exploration part of the course Uh um, You unlock this building and it'll light up like there's these green lights on it that will light up and then if you try to walk up to the building There's these two bouncers that won't let you get past so what you have to do is there's a little hole in it and you have to like put your ball into that <laughs> hole course. on the side of the building, and that will let the bouncers be like, "Oh, that's impressive! You can get past here and go in there." And then if you go inside, you walk in, and it's these scientists who have designed a mini golf course. Awesome! So there's mini golf in the game, and I mean there are other things too. Like there's a drone; like you can drop golf balls from a drone. That's a mini game. <laughs> um, there's a really like pretty in depth disc golf thing. That you can play that's on a bunch of courses, like these disc golfers that don't get along with the real golfers. And once you find a disc or buy it or pick it up or whatever, you can go and play with them and it controls entirely differently, but it's still really fun and really cool to do. So weird. All these little things. Oh, oh, and... You can throw a golf ball at anyone you want. Like, just throw it. Like, hey, what's up, guy? Bam! That is exactly what you can do,
1: yes. And I would almost so everyone do that the in the
0: game will react and, like, say something to you about it.
1: Do you get reputation for doing that to people? Like, is it one of those games where they've made it, like, if you hit 100 people with a golf ball, they run around and call you golfing McBallerson or something? No, not really. The only reputation you get is like through
0: the story mode. And I think I told Uh, you last week, but it's funny because everyone's like, your swing is horrible, but for some uh reason it works. And that throughout the entire game, even after I beat it, like that holds true through the whole thing. And it never really stops being funny. That's awesome.
1: And this is Switch only, right? There's not a Steam version or anything. No, it's Switch
0: exclusive. I don't know if it's forever, but for right now, it's Switch exclusive. And again, it's buggy but it's not like horribly buggy like i you know you you have to crash the game sometimes and you'll lose like a minute or two of progress but yeah. not it's not i never lost half an hour or an hour of progress right or even 10 minutes of progress it was literally like a minute maybe two so uh, okay it never really bugged me but keep that in mind if you're gonna pick it up so that was that was my main weekly decrease that i beat golf story
1: and i loved it and I did look at your Twitter just now to see the Halloween course, and it does look really awesome. OK, good. Good. Oh, I think that's about it. Um, you can write to us with comments,
0: suggestions or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek 2 We also have longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash
1: r slash geek and we're on Slack too, so if you prefer that kind of conversation, you can go to slack.geektogeekcast.com and kill a few minutes of your workday with us. And remember, we are part of a podcast network, so that if you want to, to listen to everybody, you can head over to geektogeekcast.com to see if any of our shows tickle your fancy. I blog at agreenmushroom.com,
0: and you can find me at grnmushroom—that's green mushroom without the e's on Twitter.
1: And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beige. That's speech with two E's, and I blog at geekfitness.net. We've been Voin Beige with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye. Bye comics hey everyone this is rob your friendly neighborhood comic geek and this is liam the the languishing lascivious liam of langley wow that was extremely illiterate of you well i try we are the hosts of the comic box part of the geek to geek podcast network so join us oh
0: yeah